Today is a little different. Larry's already mentioned, after I mentioned as well, that we went on a camping trip, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. I didn't want to go, though. You ever been somewhere, and you didn't want to go? Somebody dragged you there, you kind of felt like you had to go? I'm the, I'm the only one? No, there's Johnny. Yeah, all of you are nodding, actually. So we've all been there, done that. Uh, the really, the thought of camping and sleeping on the ground in a tent when I know it's going to be 30-something degrees at night is extremely unappealing to me. I have a very comfortable bed, a very warm house, and I enjoy being there with my family. But what really made me want to go to push me over the top, besides having to go because I'm a pastor, um, I was supposed to, thank, thank you, um, was, was Jack. Because Jack had said that, you know, hey, I want to get baptized in the lake, and I wasn't going to miss that. That's, that's why we have church, is we want to see people captivated and mesmerized by God's grace. So I'm going to do something different today because I learned a lot on this trip. And I learned how, you know, we're all kind of the same. We're very similar. And I know the church is only four years old, so this may not seem that big of a deal, but I have never preached a sermon sitting down on stage. And I'm going to do it today. I've been pastoring a lot longer than four years. I've been in ministry for a little over ten now, I think. And what I want us to do is have a campfire meeting tonight. We're going to sit around the campfire I'm going to read the Bible to you, and I'm going to tell you what God sh has shown me. You want to? It sounds like, I feel like I'm at the fire with these lights up here anyway. <laughs> so just don't throw anything at me or be careful with marshmallows. We had a little incident with little Micah. Came back and burned his eyelid. Poor little guy. He looked like he was beaten up this morning. And uh, he, I guess he was. He lost the fight with the marshmallow. But he's going to be better. He's going to be better. I want you to find your ways in your Bible to, to Luke chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible with you or don't have an app for it, we'll put it up on the screen in a second. But I, I would love for you to be able to see what we're reading as we go through it together. This is a, a beautiful story that uh, we're going through what's called, um, uh, well, it's a sermon series, but we're calling it Mesmerized by Jesus. And Mesmerized has a few different definitions, but what we're talking about when we say this is that something is, you're so focused on something that you, you're undistracted by anything else. And what we're saying over the next few weeks is that Jesus is the only thing, the only one worthy of our soul attention. He's the only one that we can truly put all of our focus on and not ever let us down. And he truly is someone that we should want to be mesmerized by. He's that good. I think one of the reasons we rebel against God so much is because he's just not all that to us. And the only reason God would ever not seem to be all that is because we just simply don't understand who he is. He is truly mesmerizing. One of the things, too, about the camping trip is this was uh, one of those primitive sites. So you can't wash your hands. There's no running water. You can't shower. There's no restrooms. So you get to know people quite well. <laughs> and so you can only be pastoral so long in front of someone. And uh, it, was, uh, it was good. And uh, we found out one of the things that, as we got to know each other, I had a wonderful conversation with one of the guys and just said, yeah, Jesus used to do this too. He would sit around the campfire, and he was human. He had real moments with people. And I, I was just, and it made me think, man, so much of what we do is us trying to present ourselves to people the way we want them to see us. And we're not 
comfortable enough or brave enough or courageous enough to just be who we are and let what's within come out and then let Jesus deal with it. Because we are scared, we are fearful that they're going to, people are going to be rejecting us, uh, we're going to, um, we're maybe prideful, there's all kinds of issues that we have. But Jesus gives us that freedom. We're all the same. Jesus offers amnesty, pardon, forgiveness, that's what that means, to those who are doomed, condemned, no hope. This is what he does for you and me. Listen to this story and read along with me in Luke chapter 7. I'm not sure if I told you where yet, but Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. This is a familiar story for many of you, but I hope tonight it's fresh. Verse 36 says, Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him, and he's referring to Jesus, requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now the word sinner here is very specific. It means an immoral woman. It means that she was a prostitute. It doesn't just mean like we are all sinners and we're saved by grace, but this meant she was an immoral woman, a prostitute, someone who was looked down upon in her city. And when she learned, this prostitute learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with the perfume. When I first read this, I thought, this is a little weird. I would, I mean, I have doors on my house, and for someone just to come in off the street and interrupt dinner, I would be pretty upset. I think I would be a Pharisee about that. I was like, what are you doing in here? But this was something that was not that uncommon in this day. The doors were mostly left open, and so for someone who was in need to come in and, and dine with you was perfectly normal. It wasn't that weird. Um, so this wasn't the most uh, shocking part of the story. But it gets shocking as we go through. In verse 39, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man, if this Jesus were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner, an immoral woman. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender has two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one, to the, uh, the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. And for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. 
but he who is forgiven little loves little. He said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him, with Jesus, began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What an amazing story. Jesus offers amnesty to the doomed. This lady is a doomed person. She's an outcast in her society. She's doing a a job that is something that is extremely looked down upon. Uh, People don't enter prostitution because it's glamorous or they think it's something that they really love to do. It is something that people get caught in, and it's the only way they know how to provide. They're abused, most likely. There are lots of uh, factors that go into someone who's in this lifestyle. And what Jesus sees, instead of looking down upon someone who is in this, he sees someone who needs love. He sees someone who needs forgiveness. He sees someone who needs the mercy of God because nobody is giving her this. They're only using her for what they want. And without Jesus, this woman is doomed because her sins are many. There are a couple of barriers. Jesus offers amnesty to the doomed. And there are two barriers that I see here. I'm sure we could find many more, but just two for tonight. To receiving this amnesty. Two things that will keep us from coming to Jesus. The first one's our past. The second one's our pride. And I want to talk about those two just for a second. Two barriers. Number one, our past. There should be a slide for that. Should pop up on the screen any minute. The slide for that. See, Bobby's doing the slides back there, but but he went camping last night too. He's probably tired. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> oh, this. I love Bobby. So you can joke around the campfire. I like this. We're going to do this every week. So there's two barriers to receiving amnesty. Number one is our past. This, uh, this woman could have let her past get in the way. She knows what she's done. She, she knows that she needs a Savior. And a lot of times, we can let our past get in the way, too. We think, I'm not worthy enough. I shouldn't even go to Jesus. And so we don't. But she didn't let her past get in the way. She knew that she needed Jesus. And she knew that enough to know that I don't care what these people are going to think about me, but I'm going to him. I am going to him because I need him. I'm not going to let my past get in the way. And I just wonder how many of us allow our past to dictate what we do and don't do and what we do and don't believe. What do we believe about ourselves? Do we believe about ourselves what Jesus says about us or do we believe what our past tells us? Do we believe enough in Jesus to realize that it doesn't matter what other people think, it only matters what Jesus thinks, or are we going to allow our past to prevent us from coming to Jesus? That is a barrier. The second barrier is our pride. We don't see pride in the the life of the woman, but we see pride illustrated here in the lives of the Pharisees. They don't need Jesus. They're fine without him. In fact, he wasn't even inviting him over because he wanted to learn anything from him. He was trying to trick him. He wanted to test him out, and you can know that because he didn't show him hospitality. He didn't give him, um, he didn't wash his, give him, give him water for his feet. He didn't anoint his head with oil. He didn't do anything that you would do for someone in a position of honor that you're sh- showing reverence for. His pride was, I don't need this guy. I'm fine on my own. 
we do the same thing in our lives. We think, you know what, I'm okay. People like that, they're the ones that really need Jesus. Sometimes we do it in church like this. We're like, man, I wish such and such was here to hear this. They really need to hear this. But what about us? What do we really need to hear? Our pride can get in the way of us receiving the amnesty that Christ offers us. So now that we've covered the barriers, let's say we are like the woman, and we fight through those. We're not like the, the Pharisees, and we're, we're like the immoral woman. And we go to Jesus, and we receive amnesty. What are characteristics that we're going to see in our lives that are marked by receiving this forgiveness, this pardon from Jesus? The first one is this. You're going to be overwhelmed by God's presence. When you receive amnesty from God, you're going to be overwhelmed by his presence. What did she do when she walked in? She walked in, she had something prepared. She had the, the alabaster vial of perfume, right? So she walks in preparing to anoint his feet with this perfume. But she kneels down and she loses it. She didn't plan on crying. She didn't plan on washing his feet. It was spontaneous. She was not prepared for that, but she knelt down and the idea of finding the Savior became a reality to her as she stepped into the presence of God. And it overwhelmed her. She wept so much that tears fell onto the Lord's feet. So much that she was, okay, his feet are really wet right now. I need to dry this. So she undoes her hair, which is a huge don't do that in their culture. It was bad enough that she was a prostitute, but now she's doing something she shouldn't do in the culture, letting her hair down. But she doesn't care. She's washing his feet with her tears spontaneously, not knowing to do that. She's cleaning it up, and she's weeping, and she's kissing his feet. She's overwhelmed by God's presence. My first thought was, man, that's really amazing, and I feel like I would have a somewhat similar response minus the hair because, you know, you can see what I'm working with here. <laughs> I feel like if I got in the Lord's presence, I feel like I'm going to lose it, and I'm just going to be overwhelmed with Him. And I thought, I wish I could do that now. I wish I could be in His presence now. How, how can I get in God's presence? And I came up with an answer that made me feel really good, and I hope it does you too. She, the first one is the standard Sunday school answer, which is really important. Number one, you need to pray. Number two, you need to read your Bible, okay? Those are really good. I don't want to move past them too quickly, but because they are really important. If you're not spending time with God in prayer, and if you're not spending time allowing His Word to, to formulate your prayer, for His Word to go into your heart, then, then you're not spending time with Him the way you need to. But here's the cool part. You can be in the presence of God today. Are you excited? You want to hear how? Okay, here we go. Every time you serve another person, you are in the presence of God. You are serving Jesus. And we know this because this is what Jesus told us. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells a long parable about judgment when, when Christ returns and people say, uh, Jesus say, well, you, um, 
you, you didn't know me. You, you saw me when I was hungry, uh, when I was uh, thirsty and a stranger, and when I was naked, and when I was sick, and when I was in prison, and you didn't do anything to help me. And they were like, when did we see you? We never saw you. And he said, whatever you didn't do for the least of these, you didn't do for me. Whatever you didn't do for people is what you didn't do for me. And the reverse of that is, is true as well, because the same thing happened where you did this. You fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. And we're like, when did we do this? I, I, I lived my whole life. I didn't see you, Jesus. You know, you must be really good at costumes because I didn't recognize you. And he says, no, no, because every time you did this for a person, you did this for me. I thought of that, and I was like, it blew my mind. I can be in the presence of God. I can serve Jesus when I serve you. And it really softened my heart and made me want to do this. Overwhelmed by God's presence, prayer and word and loving and serving one another. The second characteristic or quality of receiving amnesty is this. It's a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude, knowing what to be thankful for. Uh, We saw in the verses 40 through 47 where Jesus told a parable to teach a story. He was an excellent storyteller. I would love to sit around the campfire with Jesus and listen to his stories. And he tells them, he says, which one do you think, uh, you know, one was forgiven 500, the other 50. Which one loves him more? Well, the one that was forgiven more. He said, you've answered correctly. This woman here knows how much she's been forgiven. And that's why she's so grateful. That's why she's washing my feet. That's why she's kissing my feet. That's why she's anointing my feet. That's why she is so grateful. And that's why you don't really care that I'm here. Because you didn't give me a a drink. Uh, You didn't, excuse me, didn't wash my feet. You didn't, uh, what was the other one? You didn't kiss me, uh, give me a kiss, a greeting, and you didn't give me any oil for my head. You didn't do these things, but she did. You know why she did? Because she is full of gratitude for how much I've forgiven her. Why are we ungrateful people? Because we forget how much we've been forgiven. When we have the amnesty from Christ, when we have forgiveness and pardon, and we're realizing it, you will have a grateful heart. You'll be full of gratitude. The last one is this, number three. You'll have joyful worship. We had some joyful worship tonight. I enjoyed that. I even yelled once. If I scared you, I'm sorry. But I'll probably do it next week too. So just be prepared. Joyful worship. In verse 48 through 50, this is how the story ends. Jesus said to her in 48, Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And then he says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right, so let's rewind. The woman comes into this place, guilty, condemned, worn out, abused, used, hopeless, but there's this moment of clarity. This Jesus is going to be at this house. I'm going to take all this money that I've earned doing that. I'm going to buy this perfume. I'm going to take it to him. I'm going to worship him because he's all I have. 
She spent a lot of money that was earned doing horrible things that she was ashamed of. And she took it to Jesus. And she saw him and she wept at his feet. And she anointed his feet with with perfume. And Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She's not the same person leaving as she was when she was arriving. She was forgiven. How do I know, or why do I believe this woman left and lived a life of joyful worship after this? The story stops right here. We don't have the what happens next to her. We don't know. This is likely the only incident of hers because it's probably not a parallel story to the other Gospels that we have. It's probably a standalone based on most scholars. We don't know what happened. We don't know. But there's another story that's very similar. In John chapter 4, there's a woman at the well that Jesus, is, Jesus meets at the middle of the day. And if you're going to the well at the middle of the day and you're a woman, then it's because you don't want to see anyone else because you've got issues in life, there's immorality, there's prostitution, or, or something that is causing you to not want to be seen by people. That's when those kinds of people went to the well. But Jesus was there, and it was a woman from Samaria. And he knew everything about her. And he said, go and tell your husband. She's like, well, I don't think you understand. He's like, no, 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 I know. You don't really have a husband because you had like five of them. And he told her all these other things about her that no one should have known, especially a stranger, especially a Jewish stranger. And he forgives her, and and they talk about the water that leads to life, and she leaves there, and this person who was sneaking to the well in the middle of the day goes back and starts telling everybody, you've got to meet this guy. You've got to meet him. He knows everything. He knew everything about me. He even knew about you. He knew He knew everything. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. She was joyful. She didn't care. Forget what I've done in the past. I've seen God. Joyful worship. Man, I wish I was that joyful all the time. So many times, this little stinking brain up in here is thinking too much about what you people think and not what God thinks. Anybody else? What do people think about me? Who cares? What is it that God thinks about me? Here's what God thinks about you. He loves you. He created you for his glory. He created you for a purpose that is beyond anything you can imagine. And there is a tempter who's going to come along and try to steal away your life. And Jesus, right now in this moment, is meeting you. He's offering amnesty to you. Are you going to let your past and your pride get in the way? Or are you going to see Jesus and be mesmerized by him? Are you going to, to look to him and realize how valuable he is? Or are you going to go through life thinking God's just something you do on the weekend? <laughs> Baptism this weekend was not the only thing I enjoyed uh, at camping. I told you at the beginning I didn't really necessarily want to go because I still didn't enjoy sleeping on the floor. That's just horrible. 
I got to figure something out before I go back. I am so ready to go to bed right now. I can sleep right now. Bobby knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know the slide earlier? That's, no, that's wrong for me. I'm sorry, Bobby. Um, I enjoyed getting to know the guys. I enjoyed uh, hiking, cooking by fire. We like wrapped up corn on the cob and just put it on the fire. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being with people who... This is good. I enjoyed being with people who didn't know me that well, got to know me a lot better, and afterwards still chose to like me. That's what church is about, right? The more you find out about a person, the more opportunity you have to stop liking them and to stop wanting to hang out with them. But the more people get to know you, and the more they still can choose to love you, oh, what wonderful things it does to your heart. Do you know that's what Jesus does for you and me? He knows it all. He knows everything. And do you know what Jesus says about you? Romans chapter 8. That's going to pop up on the screen. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus thinks about you when you're in him. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We said this several times right before Jack was baptized. What a beautiful moment. That brother is free. That brother is going to do some joyful worship. He's filled with a heart of gratitude. You know what he did to earn it? Nothing. He just put his faith in what Jesus had done for him. I believe you're going to do the same. You will. One day you're going to be mesmerized by Jesus so much that you're going to say, forget it. Forget what the world thinks. Anybody else, I'm coming after Jesus. That's my prayer for you. He is offering amnesty to the doomed. We're all alike. We're all doomed. We're all the immoral woman. We are the prostitute in that story or the Pharisee. Either one, the the world either respects wrongly or looks down upon wrongly. But Jesus sees them for who they are. He either draws them in or he reveals to them how their hearts are against him. Your hearts are going to be for him. You're going to love Jesus. In Jesus, there is no condemnation. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You are an amazing Savior and Lord and Master and King. You are the one our hearts have cried out for, wanting someone to ride in and save us. And you are also the ones that our hearts, like the the people that lived in your time, we are just like them. We have rejected you because you don't look like what we think you should look like. We think we know better what our lives would be uh, benefiting from than you do. We don't trust your wisdom. So many things get in our way, Lord, our past and our pride. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us in a powerful way how mesmerizing you are, the same way you did with this beautiful woman. 
who the world tried to kill and destroy. You brought life into her life. You took what was meant for evil by the way people treated her, and you used it for good, God. What a powerful testimony of your grace and your mercy and how you bring healing to those who are hurting. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This next part of our worship service is where we're going to do communion. And so tonight, it's appropriate to invite all of us in this time to pray, to maybe even weep at the feet of Jesus, to realize you have really done so much for me. And tonight, I see a little bit more of how glorious you are, Jesus. And I want to worship you. So if you want to pray, you can come and kneel at the front during this time. Uh, If you want someone to pray with you, I'm going to stand at the back because we've realized, you know what? Some people don't want to come up front and have everyone see them praying with the pastor. And so I'm going to stand at the back. And so if you'd like to pray with me, it would be my honor to do that. And if you see someone I'm praying with and you want to be prayed with, just come get in line because I'm going to keep the line moving, okay? I'm a quick prayer I would love to pray with you. Second way, that invitation is for anyone. Anyone can pray. Pray right where you are. Whatever. The second invitation is for communion. Communion is for those who are placing their faith in Christ. Whether this is your hundredth time to, uh, uh, hundredth day to be a Christian, or your first day to be a Christian, or you want to become a Christian today, we invite you to come and take communion. We invite you to come to Christ today. And if this is your first time to ever take communion, I would love and want to talk to you about what it means to follow Christ with every part of our lives. That woman left the presence of Jesus changed. Not burdened to go out and do this, 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 but her heart was changed and she wanted to do this, 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 this. It's a big difference. Come and receive the body and blood of Christ. The way we'll do communion is we'll have a, a line formed down the middle. You'll come up, there'll be a plate of bread. It's already cut for you. You'll take a piece of bread. The words will be spoken to you. Christ, body broken for you. Take that piece of bread and step over to the cups. There are two cups, one wine, the other juice. Dip your cup, or dip your bread into the cup of your choice, and the words will be spoken to you. Christ's blood poured out for you as a new covenant. Receive those words and remember that Jesus has given you amnesty even though you were doomed. Let's have just about 10, 15 seconds of silence to give you a chance of prayer, a tip to pray. I'll say a prayer for us at the end of that, and then we will take communion. Use this time to prepare your heart for communion. Father, we come to you confessing that we have fallen short of your perfection this week. There are things that we have done that we know have not only harmed us, but they harm you because you desire so much better for us. So we bring that shame to you. We bring that guilt. We bring that condemnation. And we lay it down at your feet. And in this moment now, God, as we confess these sins, we... We look to you, our perfect, 
our powerful, our, our king, the one who has all authority. And we receive these words from you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Our faith is in you, Christ. We believe in you. We trust in you and what you have done. That's what we're saying in communion, that we know that we are immoral. We know that we have fallen short, but we know that you are the perfect one. And so we come to you, crying out to you for mercy and expecting readily to receive that mercy because you are a merciful Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whether it's here or whether it's later, tonight or whether it's tomorrow or next week or next year, I pray that we would learn how to weep at your feet and be in the presence of God in such a way that our heart is changed like this woman. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for giving us amnesty when we are doomed. In Jesus' name, amen.